Hi, I'm Allie Fry, and I'm excited to bring back this special series on the Build and Revitalize podcast. For WIC Week 2023, we went back to our gender inclusion and the AEC industry series. We picked out all the best moments to highlight in this episode. For the first episode, I talked with an expert on inclusion, Laleen Mitchell. She has served in the construction industry for over 20 years and currently works with BBI Construction in the San Francisco Bay Area as Director of Pre-Construction. She's also served locally, regionally, and nationally on boards of the National Association of Women in Construction, or NAWIC, and is currently the National President of the organization. Here are some highlights from Laleen's interview. What got you interested in gender inclusion in construction and why? That's an interesting question. I have to say I've always been a bit of a feminist because I grew up in a very male-oriented household. My father ran the show. Kids were to be seen and not heard, and women particularly were to be beautiful and not talkative. So let's just say that all along, I wanted to be seen and heard. And so that ran through education up into actual work all the way through to when I joined the construction industry and realized that the majority of my peers were women in the office in the lower echelons of our company. And to say that I wanted to climb the ladder like everybody else and run the projects, that's what got me started thinking about what difference it made in terms of gender equity. So what have you seen work really well to help people kind of overcome those unconscious bias to say, hey, you know, maybe someone who's different than me could really help in this position. It's interesting that you ask that because that is another challenge that I think that a lot of the companies face. Many of these folks have been doing the same things in the same ways for a very long time. And again, it's not necessarily that they intend for their actions to be limiting. It's just easy for them not to have to think about it and just do, we'll do it the same way we did it last year. Or we'll do it the same way we, we did it when we needed this candidate last time. I feel like if we offered solutions to those irritations that we suffer, we might get them to change or to implement it just because we've made it easy for them and we can now provide those options or opportunities that they weren't even aware of or that they truly didn't know how to find. You know, for instance, going out to historically black colleges to look for different candidates, those that don't look like them, for other people of color, for women, going to National Association of Women in Construction or other organizations that are more female-centric. That's what they need to do. That's how they need to go about changing the methodology that they've used previously to enlarge their, their pool. When you talk about kind of enlarging this pool and looking for these diverse candidates, when you were first looking for a career as you went forward, how did you find the construction industry? And was there a woman that encouraged you to pursue that? <laughs> So funny. Again, I talked about my family. My father and my brother were very handy. And my father uh, was always working on something around the house and he would always incorporate my brother. I was the gopher. And I have to admit, I was the youngest. But I think because I was a girl, he was less likely to also ask me to do things and help. And I really wanted to learn that. So after I had my daughter, I went back to school uh, at a junior college and took a carpentry class just so I could learn. Well, my carpentry teacher happened to be a woman. And she laughed at me and said, you're too old to swing a hammer. 
and you have computer skills. You need to go into project management. And that's how I ended up in my second sort of career after, again, my daughter going into construction because it was what I always wanted to learn and understand. I always stood around and watched my dad and brother build these things and wanted to learn. I wanted to understand it. I wanted to unravel the mystery that was there for me and to create these beautiful things that they did. And that's really how I stumbled into project management. And again, the computer skills were very helpful because at the time, that's when computers were really kind of being dragged in and people were realizing how much they could do for our industry. So some of it's timing, but it's also a desire to learn and to master an area that I really wasn't familiar with and that I didn't know enough about. Why is it important for companies to put time and energy into creating their own women's organization or supporting a local women organization in their industry? It's better for everyone. I think that all of us have attended team building exercises. And if you were listening to the facilitator or the instruction instructor, I think you'll remember, and repeatedly, I would bet, that they would tell you how much better your team did as a team rather than just as an individual. Because multiple minds put on any one problem come up with more diverse scenarios, more creative ways to, to solve the problems. And with that diversity brings not only solutions, but productivity. And of course, that means more money. And isn't that what the business is there to do? Make more money or to at least provide a good living for those that they do employ and themselves included? So if nothing else, it's, it's a win-win in the sense of that any organization that expands and diversifies is generally going to be in a better position in the marketplace and, and help more people while they're at it. What's your best piece of advice to find success in the AEC industry? Well, Allie, this has been a lot of fun. I would say my final words would be to absolutely be yourself, to find what you like and dig in and then just persist, stick to it, work as hard as you can, enjoy it as much as you can and just keep going and see where it takes you. Because even though you start out with one thing, Sometimes you end up in a different spot and you realize it's perfect. In the second episode, we had SME's president and CEO, Mark Kramer. Mark's been a leader in our industry for over 30 years and was a key component in bringing about SME's internal inclusion initiative, Women's Resource Network, or WRN. Let's hear Mark's perspective on the value of inclusion at SME. Why did you find it critical to support the creation of an internal women's group in the last year? I think this is really something that's been discussed for a number of years. And, you know, one of my biggest responsibilities is to help our team be successful and help find ways to remove hurdles and barriers to doing your job and being able to become better and be able to become the best version of yourself. And and over the past few years, in a number of conversations with various people, you know, some of our senior leaders, including some of our uh, senior female leaders, we continue to have discussions about challenges that uh, young staff are having, and not just uh, females, but all the staff. And we've been on this journey to figure out how do we improve our education of our team members and how do we improve our team leaders and give them abilities to help the staff grow and develop. Looking at it from a male perspective, what kind of benefits 
do you think that men in SME can gain from having WRN? There's a whole bunch of benefits. You know, I'll just share an experience I had, you know, in my forum, we had two female leaders in the group of eight, and there's other forums around us that had no females in the group. We had a totally different experience because the discussions that we had and the communication and the the depth of the discussions and the depth of sharing was way more beneficial than what I gathered when I talked to other people. And so it's a whole host of things that as a male, we don't have perspective on. You know, I, I reflected on this after you asked me to, to do this podcast. How did I see this and where did I get some perspective from? And it's interesting because early on in my career, as I was sort of going through all the things that all the young staff go through, I realized I was very myopic. I was very focused on me and my issues. And it wasn't until the back part of my career, the last 10 or 20 years, where I've sort of had the observations of watching young people come up through the company, uh, watching my daughters grow up and go through challenges, having a lot of discussions and debates with my, my two daughters and getting their perspective on things, which really opened my eyes. As we're looking at the army of co-ops that we bring on every year to help, how do you think WRN can benefit all of the co-ops and especially the young women that we hire? I think that's there's a huge opportunity there, and it's not just with our co-ops, but all our staff that come on, and it's not just at SME. I think it's everywhere. And you know, again, it really goes back to that that forum idea. Most people come into a career, come into a role, and you have your boss or your team leader or whatever it is that you, whatever term you use. And hopefully you get somebody who's great and wonderful and teaches and trains and mentors you, but that doesn't always happen. And there's also that tension in that relationship because there's the the fear and anxiety of making sure you do things right and that you're learning and growing and you're not making mistakes. And so for a lot of people, not having any kind of outlet or any place to sort of have those discussions and learn and grow from that is a huge lost opportunity. What would you recommend for other business leaders who want to support something like this in their companies? And what are some of those first steps in starting the conversation with the leadership? There's always sort of barriers to change and and sort of that inherent built-in fear of change in almost any organization. And it's really not understanding or fearing what might come out of it or what's going to happen. And I think what's important is, and probably the easiest way is, is to just figure out a way to take a small step in a direction. Maybe it's if you're trying to build it within. Maybe it's just getting a few people together and doing a few things and then presenting it to somebody within the organization that you think uh, will champion it. It's interesting, you know, sitting as a CEO and at the beginning of this, you said, hey, you have a lot of demands on time and attention and resources. And that is one of the challenges that many people face. And so it's hard to see all the issues and see everything and be able to put time and attention on everything. And so if you can make it easy for somebody to sort of make that first step 
right? You don't have to commit to solving every problem, but if, for example, just committing to getting together the first meeting with a small group of people and then seeing what happens from there. And I've learned that lesson here recently that you don't always have to make the whole decision. You can make a small decision in the direction that you want to go and then make another small decision and then another small decision rather than making one large decision. So being able to communicate with the people you're working with and saying, hey, we're not asking for all this. We would just like to have that first meeting and see how it goes. Or we would like to just get two or three people together and explore it. In the last episode, I was joined by a panel of friends, colleagues, and fellow WRN committee members, Tamar Chisholm, Sarah Balls, and Tiffany Voorhees. We discussed the future of WRN within SME and how other companies can start their own internal inclusion groups. Here are a few highlights from that conversation. Welcome to the show, Tamara. Hi, thank you, Allie. I'm happy to be here. Why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Sure. I am a project manager currently in our construction material services group. Been at the company about oh, over a decade now. <laughs> Time flies when you're having fun. But yeah, I man basically manage projects and uh, work with our uh, our staff in the field. Nice. We're also joined by Sarah Balls. Hey, Sarah. Hi, Allie. Good to see you. Why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? I'm a senior project engineer in our environmental services group on the west side of Michigan. I basically do some sort of high-level project management. I'm also transitioning into a uh, senior reviewer type person, so I look at a lot of the technical details and reporting and whatnot that our entire group does, as well as kind of manage our standard operating procedures and other such fun things. Sounds great. Thanks, Sarah. And last but certainly not least, Tiffany Voorhees. Welcome to the show, Tiffany. Thanks, Ellie. Happy to be here as well. And I'm assuming you just want me to tell you about myself. I absolutely do. <laughs> awesome. I am a vice president and I am group leader of our steel coatings and non-destructive testing group. It's a whole lot of stuff there, but basically we make sure your bridges and structures like that are safe. And I also manage all of our DOT fabrication work on the concrete and steel side. So lots of nerdy fun stuff. Absolutely. So behind all this technical expertise and their status as pretty awesome coworkers, these women are also founding members of SME's Women's Resource Network, WRN. And today we're going to talk about how we brought SME's vision for the group to life. What did you see in this concept that told you, hey, this is an area where I need to be a leader? All right, Allie, I'll go first. So yeah, I definitely like the concept. I felt that this based on our industry and it is very male dominated that there would be a need for this. And personally for myself, I was like, all right, well, I'm one of the only women in my department. And I worked in the field a lot at the time being on construction sites with all guys as well. Really thought, hey, this this is something I'm, I could get excited about and something that I really could also buy into. And I had, I think this was about, I'd been at the company I would say eight years or so. So I felt that I had a lot of background and experience in the industry already in terms of, you know, like I mentioned, the field work and, and and the perspective I had as a woman in the field. And I thought that I could really kind of give my perspective to others in terms of a, like a leadership type of role and really uh, help guide this group 
and, and help establish it, I guess, within the company. Thanks, Tamara. Sarah, what about you? What made you commit to this? Kind of following up with Tiffany, I think I was one of those women at random company events who would kind of put a bug in her ear about thinking maybe we do need a women's group. I, again, like Tamara, I'm often the only woman at the table. And also like Tiffany, I had learned to live with it and I was determined to carry whatever any guy could carry. But there were experiences and lessons learned and things that I felt I could share with other women in SME, especially the younger ones that were coming up. And I felt strongly that any impact I could make to make their life easier that was really important to me. Tiffany, can you talk about the development of the mission and vision for the group? Absolutely. I really respected Mark's approach. And I think I speak for all of us because, you know, as our president, he he got us in a room and said, I don't know what this looks like. It's yours. It's whatever you want it to be. If you want to welcome men, welcome men. If you don't, then don't. And that was really great because he basically just provided a space. Why don't you guys tell stories, decide if you need this. And then if you do, what does that look like? So I think that ties in with um, what you're asking. And we got to the mission and vision. In general, the whole thing was about inclusion. So we really worked hard our first few meetings on putting together the uh, mission and vision statement and then figuring out how we were going to send that message. And for us, it was a few phases of how we would send the message because people had started hearing about it. But one thing we thought was important, me being a group leader and the only woman group leader, I made sure I personally brought it up on one of our group leader calls, told all the other group leaders this was coming. So they understood, gave them a space to ask questions so that if their staff came to them and asked questions, they understood So we really spent a lot of energy on that to make sure it came across right. Tamara, Sarah, and Tiffany, before we wrap up, is there any other tip or trick you'd like to share uh, with folks that are looking to form this type of committee for their own companies? I think I have one thing to say. I I will admit going into this, I, I felt this group was needed and I wanted to have it, but I wasn't sure how it would be received from this company. And I think SME is a great company and I like the people I work with, but there was still some trepidation or some hesitation there simply because we were proposing it to, by and large, a group of men. And it was so positively received. I mean, there was a few snide comments in the in the initial stages, but that's to be expected anywhere. But by and large, the feedback was so positive that I was really encouraged. And so I would say to anyone who feels that just kind of hesitation, just jump in because I think you will be pleasantly surprised by how your colleagues and your teammates react. And Sarah, it's the, the old adage, always assume good intent, right? Right. Tiffany, tomorrow, anything else to add? I would say if you're thinking about starting this, make sure your steering committee has whatever the structure of your company is, basically make sure you have some high like executive level people on it to show that this is important and also make sure you have a male on it. And that might seem weird, but I do think that the open-mindedness was promoted a little more by Mark Kramer, our president, being on there and saying, hey, I support this and being a visual big part of it. So I think that was a great takeaway. And if there are any leaders and companies out there thinking about doing one, just start the conversation. Get a couple of people in a room like we did and say, what do you think? Yeah, I'll add something as well in terms of just when you start establishing 
any type of group um, that, you know, be kind to yourself. Don't put down too much onto your plate. Kind of take it one step at a time, literally. You know, I think our first year we we put on a couple events uh, here and there, but we didn't really like dive right into event planning and that kind of stuff. You know, we really wanted to make sure that we established some sort of uh, obviously the purpose and and really understand, okay, if we're going to do an event, why, you know, what, what are we doing? What, like understand the purpose of everything that you're doing, as opposed to just thinking you need to, to go like full force into, <laughs> into uh, all these ideas. Wow. That was a lot of great memories, a lot of great conversations. I really hope you enjoyed the highlight episode of the Build and Revitalize podcast. Uh, gender inclusion in this industry is a topic that's near and dear to my heart. It's the future of the industry. It's how we keep going, how we keep relevant, and how we keep building our country and the world. If you wish to listen to the full episodes, they can be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and our website, www.sme-usa.com. Thanks. See you next time.